0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Last week I spoke on the subject of the shape of the Christian life. We looked at how the Christian life is shaped individually, as well as how the Christian life is shaped as a community. We talked about how we form our lives individually and communally according to the pattern of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the Gospel reading from last week, he reminded us to take up our cross and follow him, and we heard St. Paul's instructions to the church in Rome, where he said they were to offer themselves as a living sacrifice to God. Continuing on this theme this morning, we'll be looking at St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans again, and we'll be looking at the way that Christians are to act among themselves and with those around them. My sermon title this morning is simply called Genuine Love. I think oftentimes when we read commands in scripture, we have to remind ourselves of a few things. Because of our Protestant background, our Protestant traditions. We tend to try to divide up the scriptures arbitrarily in between what's called law And gospel, and briefly speaking, law, is the preaching of or the the pronouncement of God's law. I guess as summarized sort of in the Ten Commandments, right? Don't do this, don't do this. And Saint Paul will say in Romans that the purpose of the law is to make us aware of sin, and then we preach the gospel of God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ and how it's free a free gift of God's grace to us, justification through Christ and His redeeming blood. And that can be helpful, but sometimes what happens is we make too fine of a distinction between law and gospel, and we try to apply law to any of the instructions that we find in Scripture at all. And that doesn't always fit, and it doesn't always work, particularly when we have texts like we have here in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, where Paul lays out, basically, what love is to look like in the Christian community and he says in verse 9 let love be genuine and what I like to do is is what he says let love be genuine in my mind I put a colon there because I think everything that happens in the rest of the reading everything that he tells us in that reading from Romans is how we let love be genuine and if you were listening to the epistle reading you would have heard him telling them do this do this do this do this do this do this these are things we are to do. These are things we are to practice. He says, let love be sincere, or let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast, or cling to what is good. Love must be genuine. Love, True love is not false. You could try to fake love, but it really can't be faked. And it's, sometimes it's easy to spot fakes, right? Sometimes it's easy. People who say they love you, but they never step up when you're in need. That's easy. That's not true love. That's, that's, that's false love. How is love genuine? Well, just as Jesus gave his life for us, we are to give of ourselves to one another. Right? The, the scriptures tell us that this is love. Christ died for us. Christ's act of self-giving is an act of love. And we touched on this a little bit last week where Paul talked about using the gifts that God has given us in the community, right? So our life is shaped after Christ, and if Christ gives himself for all of humanity, we are to give ourselves to one another. This is how love is genuine. It's not saying that we will love somebody. It's not saying that we will be there for them. It's actually being there for them and doing it. Maybe a better translation of genuine would be without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy, because in Greek that's what that word actually is. Without hypocrisy. Hypocritical love is easy to spot. It's not always easy to spot in the moment, but sometimes it's easy to spot afterwards. Love should be genuine, it should be sincere, not seeking anything in return. Love ultimately holds to what is good. This is a tough one for us, brothers and sisters, because we can't even agree anymore on what is good or what is bad. But St. Paul goes on and he says, love uh, love abhors evil. This is strong language, love abhors evil. And this is counter to what many in our culture and, and, and indeed churches tell us about love. Sometimes culture tells us to embrace what is bad, to embrace what is evil, to cling what is evil instead of clinging to what is good. Because what is good is only ultimately up to the individual. Their own subjective feelings about what is good. They tell us to embrace acts that mar and deface the soul. And that's what sin is. Sin is acts that deface the soul the soul and they harm us and they harm one another there is no such thing as a sin that does not harm only the individual all sin plays itself out not only in ourselves but in our relationships in fact culture often tells us that what is evil is in fact is actually good We can see it in our television shows, right? Oftentimes, the the protagonist of our favorite show is usually a morally ambiguous person, right? Who does sometimes things that might seem gray or cross a line in order to work good. We are to abhor what God abhors while loving those whom God loves. Because sometimes those whom God loves do things that God loves abhors. Because God's law is not arbitrary. God's commands are not given out of a sense of I really want to make sure that they don't have any fun at all or have a terrible life. God's commands for us are to transform us into his son, to give us the very best life that we can found in him. And so we need to show honor to one another, and as he says, we need to be zealous for the things of God. And this needs to be communicated, not only in the community, but to the world outside. As we heard in the reading from Ezekiel this morning, he says, If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. You shall do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity. Right? So in other words, God is saying, if you don't get up and tell those who are in sin that they are in sin, when they, when they pass, that's kind of your fault. He says, his blood will, I will require at your hand, because to not warn others of sin, of evil, of iniquity, is not love. It is not love. Then he says, be fervent in spirit. Be fervent in spirit and constant in prayer. Being fervent in spirit and constant in prayer doesn't mean that we are so zealous for the things of God that we no longer know how to relate to one another. And I see this in... I have friends, and I've been blessed to have friends in many different Christian groups and denominations. And oftentimes, what I see is sometimes somebody, atta- like, they, they grab the faith for themselves like never before, and they become zo- so zealous for God that they forget the weightier matters, like loving one another. And they can debate and debate and debate the finest theological points, right? But they don't love because there's zealotry for God that good zealotry that should be pointed in the right direction gets pointed in the wrong direction but we should have a zeal for God we should have a fervency for God right on 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 Sundays where we where we come before the Lord's altar and table the church should be full and we should be running over each other to come to the table we need to be constant in prayer Prayer needs to be a regular part of our life. And I'll be honest with you, brothers and sisters, this lately has been a hard one for me. I've been thinking about that this week. I posted something on my Facebook page about that this week. After the death of my dad, I found it very hard to pray, right? Even while he was sick in the hospital, I was still doing daily prayer, daily prayer, daily prayer. And then after he died, we were so busy, I just kind of... I knew I should have, but I just kind of fell out of it. And it's been really hard to get back into that life of prayer. Because that's what happens sometimes in life, right? Is things that happen to us, it feels like it disconnects us from God and we kind of struggle because we don't know how to reconnect. And oftentimes that act of reconnection is just taking that first step of making the effort to do it. And then to make that step and do the, take the, to, that step to do it again, and then to do it again, and then to do it again. But we are to be constant in prayer. There is no Christian life without prayer because our, our personal devotions, our time with God, are something that are life-giving for us. And we're all at different places. Some of us need to start off with the basics, which could just be, Lord, help me, right? Whenever I do confirmation, I always try to set up the confirmands with a basic prayer rule. The Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, once in the morning and once at night, right? That's a very, very basic prayer. And if you're struggling with your faith and you don't know what to say, you don't have to feel like you have to come up with something. If that's all you can do, then just wake up in the morning and say, the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. Just start. Just start. Just do something. And then the next day, Put your foot, take another step. And then the next day, take another step. Then he talks about generosity expressed through hospitality and contributing to one another. He talks about hospitality opening our doors to our homes and our lives to others. And in the ancient world, this was a very big deal. Hospitality was a given. If somebody came into your home, they were given your protection and you would provide for them. You would feed them and then they would leave. Hospitality is a way that we can show love to one another and to our neighbors. It's not just sharing meals, but it's also sharing times of prayer and also coming together in times of joy and in times of sadness. Contributing to the needs of the people in the church. And usually when somebody in the church needs help, they've been hospitalized or something like that, I generally will ask, do you need anything? How can the church help you Do you need food? Can we get a casserole train started? Right, basic, practical things. How can we show that we love you? How can we help you with what you need? And then being aware of what what we need or how we, we can help in the community, which we have been doing with the good works that we do, with Bethlehem Emergency and with Bright Hope and others. I was reminded of this quote by St. Basil the Great. He says, with your tongue you excuse yourself, but by your own hands you are convicted. For even in silence your hand proclaims your falsehood, sparkling around from the ring on your finger. How many people could one of your fingers release from debt? How many broken down homes could be rebuilt? One box of your clothing would be able to dress the whole shivering populace. But you unfeeling dismiss the needy, not fearing the just repayment of the judge. You have not shown mercy, you shall not receive mercy. You've not opened your home, you shall be evicted from the kingdom. You haven't given of your bread, neither shall you receive eternal life. And the context of of Basil's quote here, St. Basil's quote is is, uh, there was a a famine or something happening at the time and very, very, very wealthy people were not contributing to, um, to help alleviate what was going on with the poor. And his point is, you're wearing a ring that if you were to sell it, you could release a family from bondage. Right. The economics of the ancient world were much different right, than the economics of today. Right. Nowadays, a ring would not be able to free a, a somebody from poverty, but you know, selling something could help feed somebody or close somebody, or maybe clothes that we're not using, right, that, that's, that are just sitting in our closet. Maybe we can give it to somebody who needs them. Right. We have to develop this mindset of generosity. And so it's easy sometimes for some people, and it's harder sometimes for others, because sometimes it's hard to let go of things. But oftentimes, for the good of the, another, we need to do that. And you might not have a ton of money, and you might not be able to give a ton of money to somebody in need, but you might be able to give a meal. You might be able to give a coat. You might be able to give of your time. This is how we live in harmony. He says here in the chapter, live in harmony. And he talks about blessing those who bless, or who curse you and blessing those who persecute you. And we ask ourselves, well, why? Because even on the cross, Jesus himself says to those who are killing him, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Because, brothers and sisters, blessing those who curse us and blessing those who persecute us, those are the same people that through the power of your example, through the power of your witness, by not returning evil for evil. Those are the same people who will fill the seat next to you. Those are the same people who Christ loves and gave himself for. And St. Paul warns against the dangers of pride, of of being haughty, because pride keeps us from accurate self-reflection and examination of our hearts. We are not to think of ourselves better than anybody else. That these other people are below us or we're above somebody. Because what happens is when we do that, well, I'm better than you or you're better than that person, we create structures that don't need to be there. I'll never forget, as a very young man, I worked for a megachurch, and uh, I still have friends and, and, uh, and loved ones in that, in kind of that world overseas there, but... I remember I was at a megachurch, and I remember for, we would have a big conference, and we'd bring these famous American speakers in to we'd fly them over and, and stuff in the church. And the church would actually set up reserved seating. Right? You, you guys can reserve like I understand like for the, for the, for like the pastors and stuff of the church who are working, right have an area for them or something, but they had reserved seating set aside, right for special guests and friends. Usually it was like businessmen or local celebrities or things like that with, like, with different sections set apart for them. Violating what St. James tells us in his epistle, right? To not treat each other with partiality. Because when we do that, we get filled with pride. And that plays on their own pride as well and boosts that up as if they're not able to or not. Who dares come and talk to them? or ask them a question, or speak to them. We need to live in harmony. We need to associate with the lowly, he says, and this is lived out by Jesus. Right, think about it. The uncreated God takes on human nature, right? Divine nature and human nature joined together and is born into the world as a baby. Jesus associates with the lowly by becoming human and being born of the Blessed Virgin. This is the ultimate act of associating with the lowly. And this keeps us focused on who we are to serve. If the God who created all things is born as one of us, then it can help focus us on who we are to serve. And then St. Paul says, Do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. And then he says, As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all live peaceably with all. In other words, it is, the, it is the responsibility of the Christian to try to live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean an absence of conflict, but what it does mean that if there is conflict, it's not conflict that we initiate. It's not our job to run around and try to start, start stuff, right? It's our job as Christians to try to live peaceably with all, doing all of the things that I just talked about in the sermon. To draw people in to a relationship with Christ. So much so that he says we should even provide for our enemies. Because ultimately we are all the enemy of God. And Christ died to reconcile all of God's enemies to himself. For he did not come into the world to to condemn the world, but to save it. And so brothers and sisters, let us be encouraged this morning. I'm not saying we have to do all of these things all the time right now. But let's start taking the steps where we need. If you need to go back and listen to the sermon, go back and listen to the sermon. Reread that text from Romans chapter 9. See where we are on that, right? Where you are on that. And then listen to the leading voice of the Spirit to encourage you to begin to love as Jesus loved. So we can love one another with genuine love, with love that is not hypocritical, with love that does not gossip about the other, with love that serves each other and our neighbor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows, so if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to slash Zionstone Church Repair Fund. God bless you, and thanks for listening.